You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Cardinals for Friday, March the 25th of 2022. I am Lucas Smith, host of the show. Thanks for tuning in today and making Locked On Cardinals your first listen of the day each and every day of the year, Monday to Friday. It's a blast to talk to you guys Monday to Friday on Locked On Podcast Network. Before I get too far into the show, March 25th is a very special day for me as it is my mom's birthday. So happy birthday shout out to my mom today. Get to see her a little bit later on today and this weekend. Very excited for that. So happy birthday, mom. Hope you enjoy the day. And you can't say I didn't shout you out on your birthday. So with that aside, let's go ahead and get into some Cardinal baseball spring training going on right now. As this is being recorded, we saw a little bit of a lineup shift today as the the, the The leadoff hitter looked a little bit different than normal, and it sparked a conversation amongst Cardinal Twitter as well as added on to kind of my my show idea for today, talking about the lineup. Spent a lot of episodes recently talking about pitching and roster battles. Let's go ahead and get into the the exact lineup construction because there are a couple different ways that you could go about this lineup. We'll talk about Dylan Carlson at length here in a little bit, but you've got some mashers that you get to choose between when you're talking about Paul Goldschmidt. Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Arenado, and even Paul DeYoung when he's right. You've kind of just got to fill in the rest of the lineup when you're looking at a guy like Harrison Bader, a guy like Tommy Edmond, Yadier Molina. Where does he fit in all of this? And one thing that I'm excited about for the 2022 season is the, the, the lineup fluidity, for lack of a better phrase, something that Oliver Marmol has talked about in terms of this lineup is going to be more fluid than it has in, in in years past. It's not going to be a set lineup each and every day, not going to change no matter what. And I think that that's a good thing. You have to have a balance, right, of the traditionalist view of this. you're going to hit leadoff each and every day, you're going to hit third each and every day, so on and so forth, versus you got to look at the matchups. There is so much data out there right now on everybody that it's almost impossible not to look at the data. It's impossible for you not to have all that at your disposal and not use it. Because if you're not using it, then you're going to be behind the game, behind the eight ball, and teams that do use it and learn how to use it effectively. When I say effectively, that means that not every single stat is going to mean that you have to change lineup every single day. There does, there does need to be some routine in it. There is the human nature of this that a computer cannot predict, Right. But there does have to be some fluidity in looking at lineups and matchups and things of that nature. And that's why I think that I'm excited for Ali Marmol and his possible lineup construction here in 2022. Because you have a couple different ways you could go about it. We'll talk about Dylan Carlson in a little bit. He hit leadoff in today's game against the Washington Nationals. And then you've got the mashers, right? You're going to have Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, and Nolan Arenado. How do you want to hit them? Do you want to go two through four with them, three through five? I would not go four through six, uh, but you could go three to five or two to four and be happy with it. What do you want out of that second place hitter? I think is what what you're really looking for. Who do you have to be in front of them and who do you have to protect them? Because you have to be able to protect all three. Because whoever's hitting first needs a protector up front. Whoever's hitting second among those three, when I say first, I mean among these three players. Whoever's hitting first, so 
either that's Paul Goldschmidt hitting second or whatever have you, he needs protection in front of him. Whoever's behind him is going to protect the person in front. Whoever's hitting third is going to protect the person hitting second. And whoever's hitting third in that trio is going to need protection. Plain and simple, right? So how do you protect them? What's the best way to make sure that they see pitches to hit day in and day out? Because when this lineup is right, when this lineup is constructed correctly, and I'm not saying I know the exact answer to that right now, but when this lineup is being constructed correctly, when they're playing at their best, this is a deadly lineup. And not just for what they can do with the baseball bat. You've got some speed in this lineup, in Tyler O'Neill, in Dylan Carlson, in Tommy Edmond, in Harrison Bader. And you've got really good base running in guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, who either aren't as fast or aren't fast, period. <laughs> Nolan Arenado can play some defense, but um, speed on the bases is not necessarily a skill of his, uh, which is okay. He does a lot of other things well. So how do you protect them? What's the best way to go about it? Is Tommy Edmond your leadoff hitter? Switch hitter at the top, makes good contact, can lay a bunt down, get on base with his speed. Not a terrible option, although he might be better suited for a 6-7-8 hitter, maybe even 9, and you go second leadoff with Tommy Edmond. But if you bat him ninth and you want to go, okay, he's a second leadoff hitter of sorts, then maybe you, you still have to wonder, are you taking away at-bats from him? Because you definitely... Don't want to do that, right? You want to be able to get the guys the amount of bat- at-bats they need. So is Harrison Bader your second leadoff hitter, hitting him ninth? Do you scratch the whole second leadoff hitter idea at all and just put your quote-unquote worst hitter ninth? Do you bat Paul DeYoung ninth? Do you bat Harrison Bader ninth? Do you bat Yadier Molina ninth? But that's we all know that's not going to happen. So it starts with the leadoff role. And I'll talk about Dylan Carlson in, in just a little bit. But the way that they've been constructed in the past, 2-3-4, that makes the first spot in the lineup and the fifth spot in the lineup extremely important. Last year, it started out with Paul DeYoung. In, in fact, it started out with Paul DeYoung as your cleanup hitter. If Paul DeYoung is able to be productive and is able to improve like we expect him to improve, like 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 that has been expected of him in the past to improve, I should say. And if the reports of him working on his swing this offseason come to come to be true or come to fruition, I should say the reports are true. If he continues to hit the ball hard like he has so far this spring, he even has a hit today in the spring game against Washington. That lengthens this lineup immensely. Because then you're able to bat Paul DeYoung fifth when you bat Goldschmidt O'Neal, Arenado, 2-3-4, or somewhere in that order. And then you can have a little bit more flexibility at the top of the lineup if you want to go the Dylan Carlson route. Or maybe you do want to go the Tommy Eben route. Maybe even if he's able to kind of get a little bit more contact in his game, a little bit more on base, maybe you go the Harrison Bader route. Because when you look at his speed and his ability to steal a base and to, to make chaos on the bases, he is a perfect. Perfect candidate for leadoff. He is in Harrison Bader. I wonder his ability to get on base at the highest level, um, to, to cut down on the strikeouts a little bit, which he has in the past. He cut down on the strikeouts immensely in 2021. He had a gr- phenomenal, a great 2021. 
So he, he has the ability to do it. Can you do it for a full season? He played just 103 games last year. But in those 103 games, his on-base was 324. Year before that, his on-base was 336. His career on-base, 323. Perhaps a little low when you're looking at who you want your leadoff hitter to be. Tommy Edmonds, again, has been a leadoff hitter in the past, but is his on-base a little low? Likely. This is... So when you're looking at who you want to lead off, you do have options from the Cardinals' perspective. Especially if, like I said, Paul Young is able to produce, and if Corey Dickerson is able to do what he has done in the past, which is produce and be a solid bat, because then you have a solid six-place hitter, and then you can go Yachty seven, maybe Edmonds your eight, Bader's your leadoff, and you fill in the ninth spot with, with DeYoung. Or you go, I, I just think it's going to be fascinating to see how the lineup is, is constructed day in and day out especially if Dickerson's able to find his swing again and DeYoung. Because let's just go, let's just say you, you hit the thumpers in the lineup, 2-3-4. Goldschmidt, O'Neill, Arnado. That's how they line up today. You're able to go Dickerson and DeYoung, 5 and 6, that produce. Then you are, are tasked with finding spots in the lineup for Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader, Yadier Molina, and Tommy Edmund. You could go all sorts of different ways. If Yachty's your seventh place hitter, then you go Edmund eight, Bader nine, Carlson leadoff. Because I don't think I think Carlson's either hitting first, second, or fifth. He shouldn't be hitting sixth. So if Carlson's your leadoff hitter, you go Edmund at nine, Bader at eight, DeYoung at seven. That's a pretty solid lineup. I'm not trying to put them with the Dodgers, but that's a pretty solid lineup, one through nine. So there's a couple different ways to go about it. So I'll talk about those ways specifically. I've kind of laid out some hypotheticals here um, on today's show. So let's go through some some specifics coming up here in just a moment. But before we get to that, I do want to tell you guys about the best tasting protein bar around, and that is Built Bar. And they don't just have protein bars. They also have what they call Built Puffs, which are a protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallowy, not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And just like Built Bars, they're covered 100% in real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite because of some incredible flavors like yummy, cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, and these are just a few to name. They are going to be your new favorite. Built Bars are covered 100% in real chocolate, and they're healthier than your average candy bar. Built Bars that taste great, most of them contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, a whopping 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your average candy bar, which is usually 240 calories, three, excuse me, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Built Bar is the way to go, including with a ton of incredible flavors like mint brownie, coconut, or double chocolate. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make the taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off each and every time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 now to get 15% off your order. Once again, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off your order at Built.com. Dylan Carlson hitting leadoff is something that Mike Schilt toyed around with in spring training last year. It's not something that we saw a lot during the regular season, but it is something that was toyed around with. The key here, in my opinion, is what the production level is going to be like from Corey Dickerson and Paul DeYoung. Because those are the two big question marks in this lineup, in my opinion. 
Because if they're healthy, you know what you're going to get from everybody else based on uh, repertoire, based on pedigree, based on what you've seen from them in the past, right? But Paul Young, Paul DeYoung and Corey Dickerson provide a little bit of chaos, if you will, because of the poor season Paul DeYoung had trying to refine his swing, refine how to hit the ball hard consistently, and we just don't know what Corey Dickerson's going to bring to the table, which Corey Dickerson he's going to be. So let's for, for this first hypothetical, let's say they both produced what they're supposed to be. Solid hitters, especially Dickerson against right-handed pitching, assuming Dickerson is the DH starting on opening day, which I think he will be. If that's the case, you have a solid, solid 5-6 and six in your lineup. Now let's go 2-3-4. Let's go Goldschmidt, O'Neal, Arnato. That's your 2-4. through four. And then just to vary it up a little bit, let's go Dickerson 5 as a lefty, Paul DeYoung as a 6th place hitter. Then, like I said, you've got Carlson, Bader, Molina, Edmund. I love the idea of Dylan Carlson at the top of the lineup. Because think about this. Then you've got then you've got to go through Dylan Carlson, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, in some order, right? That is a deadly one to four. Especially if you throw in a pretty solid Corey Dickerson and a pretty solid Paul DeYoung. You've got Harrison Bader waiting in your seventh spot, Tommy Edmond at your eight, and then you've got Molina. Molina will probably end up hitting six, but then you've got you know, Bader and Edmund right back at the top. I mean, those are eight or nine hitters that are a lot better than the average eight or nine hitters. So Dylan Carlson at the top of the order makes a lot of sense if you're able to find protection behind those three mashers. If you're not able to find protection, if Paul DeYoung isn't able to produce like we expect him to, if Corey Dickerson doesn't end up being the bat that the Cardinals thought, then Dylan Carlson makes a lot of sense in the five hole. Because then I, likely you're going to see Tommy Edmond hit leadoff, which is not the end of the world. It's not great, but it's not the end of the world. You'll see Tommy Edmond at the top. Maybe you'll experiment, or experiment with Harrison Bader a little bit more at the top of the lineup. But then your, your two through five goes in some order. Goldschmidt, O'Neill, Arenado, Carlson. Again, a very lethal, a very good two through five in the lineup. Then you put... Bader, Molina, uh, Dickerson, DeYoung, somewhere uh, 6-9. through That's, again, a very good lineup. I think what allows Ali Marmol to do this, what allows him to have so much fluidity, or at least an idea of fluidity in his lineup, is the fact that you have talent up and down the lineup. Really good talent. There really isn't a position in my mind that I'm thinking, oh boy, the Cardinals are going to struggle at this position in 2022. There, there, there really isn't. Yes, you could say Molina is a little bit below average. You could have question marks at the DH position and question marks at the shortstop. But the upside is there at every single position. Yes, including the catching position with Yadier Molina. I understand he's 39, 40 years old. He's getting up there in age, and you can't expect him to produce like he did in 2011 or 2015. I get that. I understand that. I acknowledge that. I agree with that. But I still think Molina can be productive, especially if you're able to give him a little bit more days off than usual, because Andrew Kisner is going to be fine back there. I have confidence in Andrew Kisner catching at the major league level, especially if you're able to give him consistent playing time. I, I, I truly believe that. So this lineup, I think, what, what, what is a huge positive about this lineup, which could it have used a little bit more thump this offseason? Maybe. But that, 
it's not the end of the world. I'm, I'm happy with what the moves the Cardinals made offensively speaking. This offense, the, the excitement around it, from my opinion, is the ability to be fluid, the ability to change it up and to match up. You know, if you've got a righty on the mound that day, okay, here we go. We're rolling with Corey Dickerson at the DH spot, right? Uh, if you've got a lefty, all right, Paul DeYoung, you're, you're slotting in there at the DH. We'll find a way to put Sosa at short. We'll get, we're going to go right-handed heavy in this lineup because the Cardinals have the ability to go right-handed heavy because of the amount of right, <laughs> simply the amount of right-handed bats they have in their lineup. Maybe you're going to have Juan Yepes make an opening day roster. Maybe you have Nolan Gorman make an opening day roster, so you would still have production off the bench. This lineup is cause for excitement, in my opinion. Because it's not just, oh yeah, we're going to be fluid, we're going to match up. No, we're going to be fluid, we're going to match up from a Cardinals perspective because they have the ability to do so at a high level. There, there, really, there really isn't a lineup that I've laid out today that I've been like, oh yeah, that lineup is weaker than this lineup. This lineup is, you know, in certain situations, yes. But it's not like, ooh, that lineup is weak no matter who the pitcher is. Ooh, I'm not really looking forward to that. This lineup... It's not going to get a top five in the league. It's not going to get the media, the press attention that the Dodgers do, that the Braves are going to get, that the Astros get, which is fine. They're still going to be an above-average lineup that is going to get the job done. And yes, I believe that. Let me know what you think in the YouTube comments below. DM me on Twitter at LJFastball. DM the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. Email the show anytime at LockedOnCards at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about this lineup. I think it could be a very good lineup because I think that the Cardinals are the favorites in the National League Central and their offense because is a big reason of that. I mean, you look back at the, the streak they had, the run of 21 when they won 17 straight last second half of last season. What was the big difference maker? Yeah, they pitched. Yeah, they, they fielded. But they did that at points throughout the whole year. At points. What didn't they do in June? Hit. This offense, when right, is deadly, lethal. They turn it around. It's remarkable what they were able to do with their offense. Yes, they, they added TJ McFarland and Luis Garcia, and the bullpen stepped up. Starters were going longer. Of course. When you go on a winning streak like that, everything works well. But the biggest difference was the offense. Because early in the year, this team had to pitch to win. Late in the year, this team was hitting, and that's how they won their games. I'm really excited for the offense in 2022. Let me know what you think. To close out today, we're going to do kind of a a fun little look at where former Cardinals are, because a couple of former Cardinals have been on the move recently. And uh, we'll look at their season outlook as well, um, and we'll finish up the show that way. But, It is March Madness. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is in the Sweet 16, getting to the Elite Eight. So for all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one. That's right, the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season as well. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. I did a long thread on Twitter yesterday talking about BetOnline uh, futures based around Cardinals, uh, Cardinal players and 
and the team as well. Head to the Twitter to, to check that out as well as to bet online to see all the player props and odds and info that you could ever need. Bet online where the game starts. Former Cardinal on the move recently, or most recently, I should say, Randall Gritchick. He is traded from the Blue Jays to the Colorado Rockies. We'll have a crossover with Paul Holden talking about that a little bit next week. And I think that this is a great move from the Rockies' perspective. Don't really get it from the Blue Jays' perspective, but I get it from the Rockies' perspective. You know, Rafael, uh, Ramiel Tapio it was, it was a solid piece for the Rockies. But Randall Gritchick is a strong man. We saw that in St. Louis. Didn't, wasn't ever able to really come together in St. Louis, put it all together. But we saw the power. We saw the speed. We saw the, we saw the ability of Randall Gritchick, right? And now he's going to Colorado. Reuniting with, with, with former Cardinal as well, Austin Gomber, as he looks to have a healthy 2022 and be you know, a top two, three arm in that staff. But with Randall Gritchick, we could see some long, long, long home runs. In Colorado. It could be really fun to watch him play in Colorado. Because he has some power. He's going to play. That that power is going to play in cores. We'll put it that way. And the challenge for Austin Gomber, controversially, will be to, to limit the power of his opponents while pitching in Coors Field. Obviously, he was kind of the, the he was he was the main major league piece in that Nolan Arenado trade a couple year or a year and some change ago. So the challenge for him will be to keep the power away from Coors Field. But two Cardinals reuniting over there in Colorado. Also out west, two Cardinals reuniting. Mike Schilt with the San Diego Padres. And Luke Voigt as he gets out of New York. He was never really, at least from an outside perspective, you have to talk to Stacy of Locked on Yankees for more. From, but from an outside perspective, it never really felt like he was wanted there. You know, you... You had the, the Rizzo trade that, that happened shortly after him, and he mashed in New York. Just absolutely mashed. Um, but he's going to go to San Diego. He's going to have fun in San Diego. And I, he's going he's gonna to do well in San Diego, especially w- w- with the lineup they have. He'll be a nice replacement um, for Tatis at least a little bit. You know, I'm not saying he's going to replace him at shortstop, but he's going to be a nice bat in the in the lineup for San Diego. Um and I'm I'm excited for him to be in San Diego. I think that, that his personality fits there. It's it's especially when when you're looking at the teammates of San Diego that they're loud, they're fun, they're exciting. And Voigt is just that. So that's another former Cardinal to keep your eye on. Um, another one again, just just to remind everybody about this, but it's Randy Rosarena on the 2019 team um, is now again still with Tampa Bay. Those three or four Cardinals that I mentioned are going to be Cardinals that I keep my eye on because they're they're exciting players to watch, especially I think Grichuk will, will do great things in Colorado. So we'll be talking a little bit about him, like I said, with Paul Holden. Also have a crossover with Jeff Carr that is going to hit the airwaves, the YouTube waves, sound, uh, podcasting waves uh, next week. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday's show, uh, I'll be on spring break next week, but we're still going to have five episodes a week. They'll just be a little bit pre-recorded. Um, and if any breaking news happens, we'll be sure to get that information out to you guys as well. So be sure to follow me on Twitter, like I said, at LJFastball. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. And be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Getting very close to 800 subscribers. I think we're at 777 last I checked. So very exciting stuff. Keep the subscribe. 
keep the subscriptions coming. Um, it's going to be a great season of Cardinal baseball. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen of the day. Be sure to make Locked On MLB your second listen of the day. And until I talk to you the next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.